Want a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you've picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of datitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is. Well, the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends across the country who are still wondering, what in the hell was Dak Prescott thinking? 12 seconds left, and you run the football. Sheer brilliance, boys and girls. Sheer brilliance. We're going to get into all that in just a few moments. I am Jim Derry. Sports betting writer at the Times Picayune, the advocate, and bet.nola.com. And today's a fun show. It's Datitude, episode number 47 for a Tuesday. I keep forgetting we're doing Tuesdays and Fridays now. Tuesday, January the 18th, 2022. NFL playoffs. What did you think? It's a fun weekend, right? We're not going to have a long monologue today because i got to get over to the West Bank. Uh, Shaw announcing their new football coach this afternoon, and it is most likely going to be Hank Tierney. The former Shaw coach, been gone from Shaw for almost 20 years now, is going back at 70 years old. Um, Not a lot of people in the West Bank excited, and they should be. Um, I don't care if he's 70 years old. Uh, He's going to bring a lot of excitement to... Marrero and uh, hopefully change some things up. I thought Tommy Connors had that team going in the right direction uh, as an alum. I make no bones about it that I'm an alum, and uh, I certainly follow the Shaw Eagles. And um, it this is going to bring excitement to the to the area, and it's hopefully going to help bring enrollment up at that school as well. Um, it's something that is, is very much needed. So if, if that is the case, if Hank Tierney has announced the coach, uh, as I sit here a little before 11 o'clock in the morning, uh, the press conference is for 1 o'clock. By the time many of you listen to this, we'll already know. And some have reported that it's already happened. My sources tell me that it was not a done deal when it's all been reported. As of yesterday, nothing was signed. That's as far as I know. But I will, that being said, I'll be shocked if... Hank Tierney is not named coach of the Shaw Eagles. Got to get to that in a little bit. But in about five minutes, we're going to have Zach Ewing, sports betting director at bet.nola.com to come on. Look, there's things that happen beyond the scenes when, when you're talking about in our business. We have this core group of, of we talk about what's going on. When there's big games going on, Monday night, Thursday night for the most part, even college Saturdays, we're all watching. I mean, it's part of our jobs, right? I mean, it's a pretty good job to sit and watch football on Sundays, but that is what we do. Um, and this weekend, we all watched all six games. Uh, they were exciting for the most part. Even the, even the crappy games, to some extent, were exciting, right? Maybe not the Bucks and Eagles. Uh, that kind of stunk. Uh, especially as Saints fans watching the – just trying to think, gosh, what would the Saints have done in that position? They wouldn't have lost 31-16, to 16, I can tell you that or whatever the hell the score was, um, they would have put up a fight. Whether they would have won or not, I don't know, but it wouldn't have been a lopsided game. But overall, we're going to get into the debate, a spirited debate, as we do in our little text group, of all sorts of things. And this weekend was no different. There were some moments where there were some head scratchers going up the, out there. 
But Zach and I love to debate the point of when to go for it on fourth down and when to go for two more than most people do, I guess. I'm old school. Um, it's not just because I don't like change, but I don't like change all that much. I think the designated hitter is an abomination in baseball and I believe in the National League and the American League. And I don't care that they have separate rules. Um, I don't think they should have separate rules, but they're never going to get rid of the DH and the AL. So, And we know it's eventually coming to the NL. That's a whole other story. I digress. But uh, we get into the debate of just common sense, a common sense debate. It's coming up in just a few minutes. We also talk about, obviously, the games that we saw, what's coming up this weekend, um, maybe some great picks to play now. Um, if you're into the betting sort of thing and Caesar Sportsbook is about to open their app, it could be as soon as Monday from what we're hearing. It will be very soon. I know we've been saying that, but this time it really is very soon. Um, it almost certainly would be before the Super Bowl, and we're hoping it's before the conference championship games. Divisional round coming up this weekend, but uh, what did you see this past weekend? We saw the cream of the crop dominate. We saw the middle-of-the-road teams just kind of flop around. Um, we don't know what we saw in Cincinnati because those are two middle-of-the-road well, I guess a little bit better than middle-of-the-road teams. And I get that we're all rooting for Joe Burrow here in South Louisiana and Jamar Chase. Um, yeah, go Tigers. But we'll see what they do now that they have to play, go play the number one seed in Tennessee this weekend. Are they just thrilled to be there? They didn't play that great against Vegas, who is not that good. So I wouldn't get too excited about Cincinnati. I mean, I got a $10 ticket on them to win the Super Bowl that pays 1500 if they win. So, yeah, go Bengals by far. That, to me, a Bengals and uh, Rams Super Bowl would be the highlight of my year because I win big either way if that happens. But uh, what did we see this weekend? We saw some really bad coaching. Really bad coaching. Coaches that, I don't know if they coach differently in the playoffs because playoffs because they just tighten up a little bit. You know what I mean? Just, just, it, it just tightens up a little bit, right? Just a little bit. You know what I'm talking about. Coaches that haven't really been there before or haven't been there very much. Look at last night. Cliff Kingsbury stunk. Not just because Kyler Murray stunk, because Kyler Murray really stunk. First time in the playoffs, stunk. Everybody talked about all the pressure was on Matt Stafford. <laughs> Matt Stafford said, yeah, right. He was just fine. The Rams looked like a Super Bowl caliber type team last night. Will they be able to pull that off in Tampa Bay? We'll get into that later in the week. This is going to be a fun. To me, this is the best weekend coming up in football. You got four games. And they're all, you very rarely have big spreads in this weekend, and you don't. The biggest spread so far right now is six, and that's Green Bay over San Francisco. So this is the weekend where it's, last weekend to me was fairly easy to predict. And I went four and two against the spread, but really I waffled on Pittsburgh, went back and forth on that one, um, and I teased Kansas City. So really I was kind of like four and a half and one and a half. That makes any sense because I, I wasn't touching Pittsburgh in real life, betting on them. 
But what we saw besides poor coaching, even more so, was poor officiating. It was horrendous. I mean, you're telling me that, that those six crews, and they weren't all bad, but especially in the Vegas-Cincinnati game and in the Dallas-San Francisco game, awful. Flat-out awful. And I get into this with Zach in just a little bit. Watching the Saints, whenever we have Jerome Bogar as our official, I just like, I, I just, I, it's hard to watch. And you can go through their stats and see what, who throws the most flags and most holding penalties and most personal foul penalties. And for the most part, as the season gets going more, they, they like to prove a point early in the season and they throw more personal foul. You, you, you realize the, the last eight weeks or so we haven't seen a lot of taunting. I mean, part of it is because the players realize they're going to call it more. But also part of it is because the referees have used more common sense. If you're looking at a bench and you say something, that's not taunting. That's asinine. And we haven't seen a lot of that the last half of the year. Now, we'll probably see it a bunch this weekend because I'm saying it. But just in general, just some of the calls that were made. And one of the big debates that Zach and I get into, and it's not till towards the end of our interview, if you're interested in that part, is the moment in the Dallas-Frisco game at the end, as dumb as the call was by Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy to decide to run a quarterback draw there. And it was super dumb. I mean, dumber than dumb. You're saying we got a chance. No, it was dumber than dumb. You don't do that. But what was worse was the official coming in and running over Dak and running over the Dallas center to get to the football when, you, when he stood there like a dummy instead of running with Zach so he can get to the ball, knowing you've got to spot the football. No, he stood there. Maybe he's got a bad knee. Maybe he shouldn't be officiating in the NFL because he's too old. I have no idea. But you don't run over the quarterback. You don't run over the center. And in the grand scheme of things, did it make a difference? Probably not. What are the chances of getting a touchdown on one play from the 22-yard line or whatever the hell it was? Not good. And Dallas shouldn't have run the play again. But the official cost Dallas a chance to win that football game, as slight as it was. Getting into all that with Zach in the playoffs coming up. It is a strange weekend. First time in five years the Saints have not been a part of any playoff conversation. They're, they're done. And I, I, it's like in the back of your mind you're still thinking, okay, well, they got to buy. They're going to play this week. Nope, they're done. We will get into uh, – well, look, we're going to take a break from talking about the Saints a whole bunch unless something happens over the next few weeks, which I doubt. Um you know, unless one of the assistant coaches leave or one of the coordinators leave, which I doubt. Uh, but we're gonna get, we'll get into all that later. But right now, it's it's what's what's the talk? I mean, we're having to get past it and watch the NFL playoffs. And um, maybe a lot of us have adopted the Bengals as our home team. Maybe that's our Saints this year. I don't know. But they are fun to watch. We do root for them. I don't think it looks good for them this week. But I hope I'm wrong. That's where we stand on that. 
So let's let's talk about it. We start off uh, talking about the weekend that was, um, and then we get into philosoph- philosophical debate on how much the game has changed and how going for fourth down has just gotten to the point of absurdity, in my opinion, and when we do it and when we don't. And last night, I mean, is a perfect example of going for two. What was it, 28 to nothing? And for some unknown reason, I mean, I get that you probably don't care, this, but this to me shows you don't care. You don't care and you're throwing the white flag up. The Cardinals score a touchdown, they go for two. Why? You get three touchdowns and three two-point conversions, it's still 28-24, and you still got to score a touchdown. You want to talk about making no sense. We didn't even bring this up. But that's just kind of an icon of how stupid we, we're, just, we're just calling stuff now. Let's just do it. Whatever. Sometimes I think that's what they do. It's fourth down. Let's just go for it. What the hell? Analytics card says 58% of the time you're going to make a first down and 59% of the time you're going to punt and they score. Who cares? Common sense. Let's get into it. Zach Ewing, boys and girls. Welcoming into the Datitude Podcast, sports betting director at NOLA.com, bet.NOLA.com, and the advocate in the Times Picune, Zach Ewing. Zach, uh, it was a interesting weekend of NFL playoffs before we get into the the uh, the specifics of of all of what we really want to talk about, and that's what we disagree on. Um, let's talk about some things that stuck out to you this weekend and, and it was weird. We were talking off the air, you know, five of the six favorites um, came in this weekend. And so it was really probably a bad week for the bookies. Yeah, I would think so. I, you know, the temptation too is to say, well, they expanded the playoffs and this is what you get. You get crappy number seven seeds, you know, who go in and get their butts whipped. Um, Right. And some years, I suppose it'll be like that. I mean, the bears got, beat up pretty good, although it wasn't a total blowout by the Saints last year. Um, the Colts played well against the Bills last year, but this year I just thought, I, I mean, you could look at either one of those seven seeds, the Steelers or the Eagles, and pick two other teams from their conference that were probably better than them on balance. I mean, you, you could have taken the Colts or the Chargers in the AFC, and you could have taken the Saints and probably the Vikings or the Seahawks in the NFC and said all of those teams are better than the teams that got in. So I don't know that it was a, such a matter of, oh, the seven seeds are terrible as much as it the, the way the tiebreakers worked out and things, the wrong seven seeds got in. Yeah, I think that it was just one of those weird years. But um, <clears throat> I agree. Even though I had predicted the Steelers to cover, I kind of was kind of a weird thing. I, I didn't bet it. Um, in fact, I told you that I put Kansas City in a teaser um, because it was certainly my, my probably my least favorite pick of the week. Um, and... Kansas City, I mean, I think we would all have been shocked had they not won the game. So I thought they were safe in, in a teaser along with Tampa Bay. But, yeah, I mean, you could you could kind of flip the seven seeds. But it, it could have just been easy. If you're talking about it in the NFC, San Francisco could have just as, been an, as easily been a seven seed. And I think if they go to Tampa Bay, I'm not sure they win at Tampa Bay, but they probably play a pretty pretty good game over there. Yeah, and meanwhile, Dallas is cruising against Philly. So it's it, – Sometimes it matters on the, the luck of the draw. But, yeah, to, to your point about the Chiefs, my favorite bet of the entire weekend, after the T.J. Watt scoop and score, Kansas City was minus three and a half live. 
And I said, give me some of that because they're not losing this game. I mean, come see, on. I wish I would have been paying attention to that because I didn't see that. And that's when, when we had the app, I will. Um, but, yeah, I would have been all over that, too. That, sound, that sounds like free money. That, that's exactly what it was because two minutes later, they were, it was 7-7, and five minutes after that, it was 21-7. Yeah. Yeah, I had, uh, I had some friends who had the, uh, the Kansas City minus seven in the first half. That was, that was one of the big bets from some people that I listened to. Kansas City minus seven in the first half, and you're thinking, okay, well, I'm going to get lucky if I get a push with about five minutes left in the half. And then the next thing you know, Kansas City scores, and now they're driving again, and they, they make it 21-7 at the half. And so it was like – I think the uh, first half total was 23 also. Yeah, so it was like, it was like Christmas in, in January. Um, I, the thing that struck me about this weekend, and not betting-wise, but I, I just thought overall, I thought coaching was horrendous this weekend. I, I don't know if it was because there are some coaches that aren't wholly used to being in the playoffs. I, I thought that were there were some just – I don't I think the one that sticks out is Dallas-San Francisco. I thought both teams played pretty poorly. Um, I thought Dallas was super poor. I mean, McCarthy, we kind of joke about him in our little text group, but uh, I'm not sure anyone could have coached any worse than Mike McCarthy coached in the playoffs Sunday. He's, he's just not a good coach. I have a friend who calls him the stay puffed man because he, you know, kind of got that extra weight and he's got the big puffy jacket all the time, but he, the guy, what did he coach? Twelve years in Green Bay. You have Aaron Rodgers. You had Devontae Adams for most of that. They, they've had He's a offensive coordinator in New Orleans for quite a while. And they won one Super Bowl. One. I, and I mean, I hate to knock a Super Bowl victory because that's what Sean, well, Sean Payton only got. Only, I was right. Sean Payton's only won one Super Bowl. You know, so I guess it's not it's not just as easy to say that. But it just never seemed to maximize what they had. I mean. Um, so I've never liked the guy, and Sunday may have been his his masterpiece as far as just ineptitude. And Shanahan wasn't a whole lot better. I, I thought the 49ers were good early in the game. They did what they wanted to do. Um, you know, they were running the ball. They were they were flying around on defense. They were playing the game they wanted to play in the first half, maybe the first three quarters. And then they, it, it almost seemed like Shanahan got tight and said, "Okay, I can't screw this up now." And I agree. Started playing not to lose, which which you know I don't think anybody ever likes. So I, I you know I, I thought I thought McVeigh coached a good game last night. Now the, the Cardinals handed it to him in the end. I mean Kyler Murray was so bad that it probably wouldn't have mattered. But I did like the fact that McVeigh came out and said let's run the ball. Um, I right. thought that was the right move. Um, well, you know, at the same, at the same City, time though, in that Zach though, I think Cliff Kingsbury put too much pressure on Kyler Murray. I think. They, you know, they've been successful with James Conner. I realize they tried it a couple of times. They didn't get much going, and, I, and he's been a little banged up. Edmonds probably not at full strength either, but they didn't even try to run the ball. And, and to try to take some pressure off, off your quarterback. He's not a rookie, but it's his first playoff game, and he played like it. I mean, I'm not sure why they abandoned the run wholly from the get-go. And the, the play I'm particularly thinking of is the, the pick six where – yeah, you don't really have any business throwing that ball anyway. Right, your quarterback is is really struggling. You're backed up on your own. What was it? Four yard line. Right. The Rams are in the backfield on every passing down. So it's not it's not just Kyle. Your offensive line struggling against Von Miller and Aaron Donald. And just just run a draw 
and live to fight another day. I mean, kind of like, okay, yes, they'll probably know the draw is coming and stuff it out for a two-yard gain off the punt, but that's a hell of a lot better than what ended up happening. Then to me, you look at um, I, I, the Cincinnati-Vegas, I, I thought, you know, as great a job as Zach Taylor's done this year, I, I was really kind of perplexed at the way that I another team that kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit, don't you think? I mean, they let the Raiders come back, and the, the way the Bengals were on their heels – I really thought that game was going in overtime. I'm surprised they made that play. Uh, they get a, you know, the Raiders drive down the field again, get a first and goal, and somehow they don't get into the end zone. I mean, you can't really blame Derek Carr for the interception on fourth and goal. He had to throw the ball somewhere. Um, no, I mean, that, that's one of those where it drives me crazy when guys throw the ball away on fourth down. It's like you might as well try yeah, it. I agree. So we tried it. Yeah. No, so I'm not blaming him, but, but, uh, you know, and Basachi is not really a head coach, so it is what it is. But I, teams just – I think the younger the coach, and, and I know you you love these young coaches, we're going to get into that, and the way they think, and they think differently. But I see a lot of it. These young coaches who don't have a lot of playoff experience, they get a big lead, they take their foot off their gas, and they're like, holy crap, I'm going to win a playoff game. Let's just not screw this up. Yeah, and I, there are times, like, I, I happen to think the Falcons would have won the Super Bowl if they had thought more like that, you know, the 28-3 yeah, game. 100%. So, so there are times when that's the right move. It's, it's a matter of timing and what the scoring situation is. And like, it's, it's not always the wrong move. I, I will, you point out the Bengals, and then the 49ers were in a similar situation where both teams were in a situation with the lead and the ball inside of five minutes where one more first down probably ices it. I don't know if it mathematically iced it, but it would have gotten it, you know, under 30 seconds with no timeouts. And both of them went super conservative. And that's like, that's a spot where I feel like, okay. And again, I know, I know you roll your eyes at the analytics, but in your head, even if you don't want to make it exactly about numbers in your head, do I have a better chance of converting this third and six or whatever it is? Or do I have a better chance of stopping the opposing offense from getting, from staying out of the end zone? And, and in the end, those percentages are, are honestly probably pretty close. Um, but you have to decide as a coach, what do I have a better chance of doing? Um, and, and then also realize that if you don't get the third down, so long as you don't turn it over, you still are going to have a chance to, to stop them. You just probably give them an extra timeout. So my thought is always like in that situation, I prefer to go for the win. And both teams got pretty conservative, ended up giving – uh, Las Vegas and then Dallas, another chance. And it, and it worked out for him in the end, but it was probably a lot more scary than it needed to be. See, I don't necessarily disagree with, with that philosophy because all I can think about when you're talking about the playoffs is Sean Payton and those NFL films clips of, I want the pedal to the metal. And he never let his foot off the gas. Now, granted, in the NFC Championship game in the Super Bowl, he didn't really have a chance to. He had to fight, fight, fight to get where he wanted to go. But Sean Payton has never been one to take his foot off the gas, um, which if Saints fans who have been Saints fans for a, a lot longer than Sean Payton's been here remember, we didn't always have coaches who thought that way because there were plenty of times when Jim Mora took his foot off the gas and the Saints would collapse. Um, was it, was it Bob Phillips who punted from the plus 33 one time? Yes. Or something like that? yes. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a little different. Even I wouldn't go for that. But um, so – I, I am an aggressive kind of guy. There are times when I'm like, all right, 
I, and, I, and I was thinking when the Bengals needed a first down the other day. I mean, that's what you were talking about, I know. But before that drive, I, I agree. I wish I wish that let's put it in Burrow's hands. Let's trust Joe Burrow. And well, especially when your quarterback's playing that well. I mean, the NFL anymore is geared the rules to help offenses. And so if, if I have a choice and the game's on the line and I have a competent quarterback, now again, and I, I'm contradicting myself with Arizona because that was earlier in the game and Murray was clearly struggling. They just needed to get into the locker room at that point and, and talk to the guy. But like late in the game, if my quarterback's playing well like Burrow was and I have a receiver as good as Chase, I, I want the game in Joe Burrow's hands. I don't want the game in my defense's hands. Now, that was the only pick I lost on the weekend was Raiders plus five and a half. And I, you know, it almost worked out for me. I still think the Raiders probably should have covered given everything that went on in that game, but it just didn't work out. But, but yeah, I mean, if that's the situation, if, I, if I'm Zach Taylor, I'm saying, Jamar Chase, go run some kind of crossing pattern and make a play for him. 100%. Chances are he would. Uh, 100%. And if he, like you say, if he doesn't get it, then, then you still got a punt anyway. And to me, in the NFL these days, unless you're talking about a really bad quarterback or a team that just can't, has trouble moving the ball, and really, other than Pittsburgh, I don't know that there's a team in the playoffs that you're going to get like that. There's no difference between two minutes and 36 seconds and two minutes. I mean, because these teams run their two-minute drills, and it just – it really doesn't matter. So maybe I'd feel differently if you were going to run the clock down to, like, 110 and you were going to pin them back at the 20 or something like that. But with two minutes left, it doesn't matter. I mean, no. any any – enough time. Uh, yeah, I mean, 20, there are 20 NFL teams that I feel confident that – it could put together a two minute drive and score if they, you know, really needed to, or at least put themselves in position to. So yeah, you have to pick your times to be aggressive. And that leads me into my, our, our next topic of conversation. We've had this ongoing. Together. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Um, we've had this ongoing debate and I don't know what the demographics are of this podcast of people who listen to this podcast. I would imagine it's fairly mixed, probably, leaning towards my age and not your age, but as my guess, but I don't know that. Um, but I don't know how people feel about this. I've had mixed reactions all throughout the board. I have, I know young people feel the way that I do. I have old people feel the way you do. So we've been getting into this debate throughout the season. It's, it's become a running joke, I guess, of when I guess you go for it on fourth down, when you go for two, um, using the analytics card, I guess to say, I am of the mind of, I don't even want to know what that analytics card is because that doesn't matter to me. Um, and even the two point card to me doesn't make one shred of difference until you get into the fourth quarter. And you are more of the ilk of, if I've got a 53% chance to do something positive, you're willing to take that chance more than, more than not, I guess is the right way to put it. Um, I'll let you put it the way you want to. But anyway, um, I'm going to give you some scenarios in a minute, and you can tell me what you would do, and we can discuss it. Because I think it's getting to the point of slash absurd slash hilarious. I don't know which one I want to pick, somewhere in between. But uh, what is your philosophy on the analytics cards and the Staley's of the world and the Harbaugh's of the world and the people who just seem to, you know what? I'm not going to put any gut feeling or anything into anything. 
I'm just going to take this little four by six card here. And yep, it says go for it. No, no, no. I, I mean, for, first of all, I think if you're blindly following the card, you're doing it wrong. Uh, unless it's a situation where it, there's four minutes left in the game, you're down 11, you score a touchdown. You know, the card's going to tell you to go for two to get within a field goal, and that's common sense and do it. You no, know, because at, with four minutes left in the game, there's no difference between being down uh, four or five. So go ahead and do it. But when you're talking about the more controversial decisions that you're, that you're talking about. I mean, I think one thing is you have to, you have to defer to the coaches almost. And I can't, I, this goes against my general philosophy of sometimes coaches don't know what the hell they're doing, but you do have to understand like, okay, if you're going to say you should go for it, if the percentages are in your favor, if you have a 70% chance of converting fourth and one, um, you know, then you should probably go for it because you have a less than 70% chance of stopping them if you punt. But you have to defer to the coach and that he may know, and I've said this before, like, okay, I want to have my quarterback sneak it, but my quarterback just, you know, is he hurt his foot on the last play and I need to get him over to the sideline. Or my right guard, who's my bulldozer in the run game, is out of the game right now. You know, or I just am not feeling it because I have no, you know, my, my, I just talked to my offensive staff and they don't have any momentum and they don't know what to call. Okay. Well, I mean, in those cases, you should probably punt just, but that's, just not, but that's not what you're saying when we're texting though. I mean, but, when you're talking, well, when you're talking about the live, live part of the game, you're not factoring into any of that. And you're like, this is ridiculous. They're punting here. I mean, you, maybe I, I, they had that conversation on the sideline. And that's true. And that's true. And that's why I'm trying, I'm trying to like give a disclaimer here, but I also think that, in general, NFL coaches and major college coaches are way too conservative, way too conservative. I mean, there are coaches out there who have built – these are I'm talking about high school or smaller college coaches. They don't punt unless it's fourth and 20-something. I mean, they don't do it because they think over the long haul those percentages will, will turn in their favor, and they've been very successful. Now, you could argue they have a talent advantage, and that's a different, you know, di- different animal than the NFL. But – I do think in general coaches are way too conservative because if they punt, nobody asks them about it in the post game. If they go for it, everybody asks them about it in the post game, particularly if they fail. And so they're, they're in multi-million dollar positions. They feel secure. They feel safe and they're going to make conservative decisions. And I, I think just in general, now again, in specific decisions, there may be an unseen reason not to go for it. Um, but they're also, I mean, you, you do the same thing. You text me and say, Oh, it's, it's completely ridiculous to go for it on fourth down here. Well, maybe they've got a great play called that. They feel fantastic about that, that they saw on film that they have a 90% feeling is going to work. You know, I mean, in that case, you have to sort of, as a coach, alter your perception of of what the best thing to do is. Right. But I, I just think that there's too often that we just say, Let's throw common sense out the window. And I don't care if a percentage is 98%. If you're in a position to where that 2% is going to lose you the game, I'm not, I'd rather take my chances and punt the football in scenarios where that's the case. And I know that's extreme. And for the most part, we're not talking about extreme situations. But I think the philosophy. I think I think you're you've got it all wrong. I think for the most part, coaches are, more coaches think like you think now, 
then there are coaches that think like I think. Um, I, I think I think this weekend disproved that. I think there's a lot of coaches being too. No, I think that's because uh, there were coaches that crapped the bed this weekend. That's why whatever happened happened. I think there were coaches that would coach differently in a regular season game than they would coach in a playoff game, and that's a formula for losing. If that's your philosophy and that's what you're going with, I mean, then go for it. I mean, I don't think Staley is ever going to win anything big because of the way his, his mindset, and he gambles way too much. I do think there's a happy medium in there somewhere between just being throw. you know, I'm going to take a hit on 19 because the deal is showing a 10 and being realistic and smart. I mean, you may not like to punt. I get that. But, you know, it's sometimes I think you need to throw that caution. You do need to throw caution to the wind, I guess, and just punt the damn football. I mean, I just think that here's my biggest problem. My biggest problem is we don't put scenarios into it enough. And I'm not just talking about, oh, my right tackle is, is aching and it's fourth and inches, and there's no way I'm sneaking my quarterback and my running back's a little banged up. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just common sense of I'm up by five. My defense has been playing lights out, but the card says there's a 90% chance of getting it on fourth and less than one, so I'm just going to go for it. That's my biggest problem, I guess. Uh, I mean, there's also another way to look at it. A lot of people say, well, you're going for it on fourth down because you don't trust your defense. Well, I think the opposite is true. You go for it on fourth down because you do trust your defense. Well, number one, you trust your offense to get it. And if not, you think the defense will have their back. I mean, I think taking those risks means you do trust your team, but, but I agree. Like there, sure. There has to be common sense. I mean, the, the blackjack thing to me is a flawed analogy because the numbers would tell you not to hit on 19, even if the dealer is showing a 10, like the analytics would tell you that that is stupid. Common sense would also tell you that's stupid, but the analytics would back that up. So it, it, to, to me, it's a flawed analogy because the analytics have, you, you know, one, one of the things that you argue, Jim, sometimes is like, well, if they don't get it, the defense has an 80-something percent chance of, of getting points here. That's factored into the analytics. I mean, that's part of the numbers that, that are being crunched here is that they realize if we fail, our win percentage goes down. If we make it, our win percentage goes up what is the chance of making it and how much does it go up or down? It, that's, that's all factored in. And frankly, it's too much for the human mind to comprehend in 30 seconds. And so that's why we have computers do it for us. But it's, you know, yeah, I, I do agree that there are certain situations where you want to play it more conservative or more aggressive, depending on the game situation. All right. Would you agree that, that Staley's probably of the chargers of people not hundred percent sure on, on who's doing what? Zach Ewing by, on the Datitude podcast, by the way, and we're discussing um, philosophies, I guess, and all tied in in the playoffs, and I think teams do play different in the playoffs. But would you agree that Staley is the most aggressive fourth down go-for-it guy? I, I mean, my anecdotal... And I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to yes. trick you here. I'm not trying to trick you here. I, to say, no, I mean, I, I, I've not looked up who goes for the fourth down the most. Well, I'm, I'm going like to tell you in a minute. Yeah. Okay. Anecdotally, I would say yes, he does. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. So that, I'm not trying to trick you, but I'm. I'm I, it leads into my my what I what I am going to say now. Obviously, the teams at the top of the list who go for the most, at least in 2021, you would not be surprised by some of the teams in the list because most of them are losers. 
Um, and when you're losing, obviously you're going to go for it more on fourth down than you would, you know, you have nothing, you know, you're in the fourth quarter, you're down by 15, you're going to go for it. I mean, of course you have to. Um, but here, here's the thing that kind of gets me when I look at this list. All right. And I'm going to go in order and it just jumps out at you where the chargers stand in this list. Okay. Lions are number one. No surprise. They lost all but three games this year. Uh, four games, I guess they won the last one. Uh, Bears are number two. Well, they stink. They've got an awful coach. They've got no offense whatsoever. I guess that's not a surprise either. But then the Chargers are number three. On how many times they went for it this season? They went for it 34 times this year. That's twice a game. You got Panthers, Washington, Jacksonville, Giants, and Jets. So there's no surprise there. So when you talk about if you're going to go for it that many times, then you should be super confident and their percentage, they're still in the top five. So, but they're only at 64.7%. The problem I have with the Chargers' philosophy on that, that other 36%, and I need to do, we're going to do a study on this in the off season and see what happened. I mean, I'm going to go through all 34 of those suckers and figure out what happened when they got it and the point differential when they didn't get it. But to me, 64.7% doesn't tell me that it's worth going for it that much. And again, I'm being arbitrary because we don't, we don't know how many were fourth and ones at the 36 opponents, 36 yard lines when you have to go for it. So, yeah, I, I mean, some are going to make more sense than others. And, and then the other part of that is like, that's even though it's a full season, it's still a, not a statistically significant sample size, right? I mean, you're still you're still talking about enough variance to where they could do it next year and get 84%. And then you're looking at 74% over two seasons. And maybe that changes, changes the way we look at this. So I, yeah, I, I mean, Staley is too aggressive, even for my tastes in a lot of cases. Um, I, I just think in general coaches are, are too conservative and that is changing. You're right. That is changing, but it's still, I still think that's the predominant philosophy. In Staley's defense, I will say this. I looked it up. I went to the year before when the Chargers obviously had a very similar team. They had most of the same personnel. They weren't that much different. Um, They had Justin Herbert, although he was, you know, a rookie quarterback and is a little bit different. Um, They went for it 11 fewer times. Um, but they made it a lot less as well. They, they were only 12 of 25, so they were, their percentage was way worse last year in 2020 than it was in 2021. So maybe there is a method to the madness, but I, I'm gonna, that is going to be a project of mine over the offseason, and we're going to do I – don't, I don't know exactly how we're going to do it, but we're going to do some kind of looking into this thing, and we're going to figure out which one of us is right when it comes to this stuff. Or maybe we're both – wrong or maybe we're both partially right or whatever but it, i think we're going to make some kind of fun we're going to find a way to to go through this and go through these numbers Ch- chances are we're both wrong because that's how life works <laughs> i think you're probably right that but so uh, let me just ask you some general questions all right i, I here, here's one thing that's going to back you i think to some extent of the fourth down percentages made the top let's see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten of the top eleven teams in percentages of fourth down conversions made 
made the playoffs. 10 of the top 11. Um, And the only one that didn't would have made the playoffs had their quarterback not been hurt the last half of the season. That's the Ravens. So you look at the 10 of the top 11, Kansas City's number one at uh, 66.7%. That's also what the Ravens are. The Bengals are right behind. So uh, Zach Taylor likes to go for it too. Their third, Patriots, surprisingly, are fourth, even though they didn't go for it a whole bunch, only 17 times all season. And I think, if I remember correctly, they went for it like six times in one of the Buffalo games. If I don't know. If, if... Yeah. I, I mean, part of that, though, Jim, too, is like your good teams can pick and choose when they go for it more often. Like, if I'm the Lions, I'm going for it on fourth and 17 at the end of games because I'm down by three scores and I have no choice. Right. If I'm the Chiefs, what were the Chiefs in that situation? Maybe once all year when they were at Tennessee. So that that I, I mean, I think that's probably skewed too. And by the way, um, let's see. Anyone who's wondering where the Saints rank on that list, the Saints are about in the middle of the pack. In fact, they're a little below the middle of the pack. They don't have numbers next to them, and I'm just looking. Uh, the Saints went for it 21 times on fourth down in 2021 and made it 11 for a percentage of 52.4. Let's see about, I mean, Sean Payton's pretty consistent. If you go back to the year before that, the Saints um, fourth down conversion rate, they were at number five. So it goes to show, I, I you know, maybe, maybe you're right on this thing because the year before that, the Saints obviously were a better team. They made it 11 out of 16 times, but same number. They go for, So about once a game, the Saints go for on fourth down. And I would consider Sean Payton's not a conservative coach by any means, but I think when it, goes, when it comes to fourth down, he is one of the more conservative coaches. But he's an OG, right? Yeah, I mean, he, it, it depends on your team, too. I mean, I think with this year's offense, he'd be a lot less likely to go for it he'd also be forced into more situations where he had to, and they'd be less likely to get it. So it's, it's, it's really difficult to have the overarching discussion unless you can parse the data down into, okay, fourth and less than two when a team's ahead, fourth and more than two when a team's ahead, fourth and less than two when they're behind, fourth and more than two when they're behind. And that, that, that just makes it – there's a lot of data to parse there. Yeah, and, I, and I, I'd say well, let's just go look up 2009 to show how the game's changed. These numbers are so much lower. When you, it's so funny when you look at these numbers overall, the, just the attempts. Um, the Saints only went for it on fourth down 15 times. They only made it six times. So the Super Bowl season, Super Bowl winning season, they were six of 15 on fourth down. But they, they have teams in here that have 11, 12, 9. There's a bunch of nines. The, the Cardinals were five of nine on fourth down in the 2009 season. I mean, you're never going to see that number again. I, I mean, they're – there won't be a team that, that tries it less than 15 times, I don't think, um, going forward. So that is one way the game has changed. And in ways for the better, it does make, as a fan, it's enjoyable to watch. As a football purist, I guess, um, it just makes me want to pull my hair out. Even if it's a game I don't care about, I'm like, what are you doing sometimes? And I don't know, it's, just, it's, it's frustrating. Sometimes I think they're bastardizing the game, but... I guess I'm the guy who still doesn't want the designated hitter in baseball either. So, and, I mean, what does that mean that you're bastardizing the game? What, like, you're bastardizing the version of the game you grew up with. 
the game has always changed. I mean, someone who grew up in the 1930s would think the past is bastardizing the game. Well, we don't think of it like that. I mean, so the game has always been changing. And so I don't know. It's I, I get why you're personally uncomfortable with it, but I, to, to say it's some indictment on the game of football is probably short-sighted. Yeah, I mean, and, and I guess I get that part of the change, and I do. I mean, I'm going to be the first one to admit I have trouble with change at times. Um, but I don't think it's change. I think that there are certain times, like going for two. We look at Harbaugh, and I, I, I think he cost himself the playoffs by going for for two twice when I don't understand why he did it. Um, and it cost him, to me, it cost him two victories. Um, we'll never know because there's no guarantee that he wins those games if, if he goes into overtime um, in the middle of the season or, I guess, early second half of the season. Um, but I think it's fair to say he, he cost himself the playoffs by not getting the two-point conversions. I mean, he, he made it so that it came down to those. Obviously, he felt fairly confident in getting them, and it, it, they didn't execute. So, well, the, funny know, thing, I mean, the funny thing I, th- I, I thought about that is when he comes out and says, it's, it's, is it an indictment on your defense when you say, I have a better chance to get a two-point conversion than we do of stopping them? And his two-point conversion rate, I think, this year was, at the time when he said it, was two of eight. So that means you're, you're, you say your defense only has a 25% chance of stopping the other team? Okay. Well, that, that gives me a lot of confidence when I play defense with the Ravens. Their defense wasn't very good this year. Yeah, they, they stink. <laughs> um, they really stunk at the end of the season. That's a whole other story. Um, all right, here's a scenario. For, let's give you a couple scenarios just to, to see. Because I want the public, whoever's listening to this podcast, so don't answer right away. Give, give the public a chance to think in their head. It's fourth and two. Uh, let's say it's fourth and two at the 40, opponent's 46-yard line. Um. And you're up four with seven minutes to play. What are you doing? Am I just supposed to assume league average offense, league average defense in these situations? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question because if you didn't, I would have I would have said you're just going to throw that out there, your answer out there without asking me stuff like that. So yeah, that's a good question. Um, yes, we're gonna for the for now we're gonna assume that you have a the 15th ranked offense. And you're going against the 15th ranked defense. And everybody's uh, healthy. You know, and sometimes it also depends on how the game is going. Has my defense been starting to, have they been on the field a lot? Have they been starting to show holes? Or are they, you know, have they been getting stronger as the game goes on too? But just, just for the sake of argument, I would probably be inclined to go for that, yes. See, you know, these are good questions. I did not expect you to respond that way. Um, well, of course, I expect you to respond with I would go for you'd be inclined to go for it. But I'm, I'm glad you asked the questions of and, and, and included in there. How is your defense? Because to me, that's all part of it, right? It's common sense. Um, I would be inclined to punt there, but I wouldn't think that that's not an egregious one. I didn't give you an egregious one. I just wanted to see how you would respond. Um, I mean, this is kind of like the bum Phillips situation where it's, it's funny to laugh at him for punting from the plus 31. But if you look at that situation, and the reason I bring this up, I was reading about the game last week. If if you look at the situation, the Saints basically were the 85 Bears on defense that year. That's correct. And they hadn't allowed an offensive point. I think they were playing the Rams. Hadn't allowed an sure. offensive point the entire game, and they had a 
what a three a three point lead or a four point lead or something. And it's like if you punt it deep, three point lead, the, I believe the chance of the Rams going ninety yards in uh, in two minutes against you is slim and none. And so yeah, it it, it actually makes a certain semblance. Of, now their mistake was they kicked the, they punted a touchback. They weren't able to until only gained 11 yards in the deal. That was, that was really what killed them. And that's what it is in a lot of these cases. The decision matters less than if you make that decision, you've got to execute it. <laughs> well, when you do that, you, can't, you have to assume, right, when you're punting. This I do agree with. I mean, it's kind of like going back to the card analogy. If you're playing blackjack and the dealer's showing a king, you have to assume there's another king under there or a, a 10. So if you're punting from the opponent's 42, you have to assume it's going to be a touchback. If even if you have a great punter, I mean, yeah, it's great if you pit him inside the 10 or whatever, but you have to assume it's going to be a touchback and you, you have to factor in to your head. Am I willing to give a net 22 on here? I, so yeah, that factors all into it, but I just think there's too many times I'll give you another scenario in a second, but I think there's too many times when we, when coaches don't use common sense and whether they're strictly going by the analytic card, they're never going to tell you. Um, I have this one guy. I complete. I love this this guy that I listen to. Steve Fezzik um, is a, is an outstanding handicapper. In fact, maybe the best I've ever seen or heard. I mean, he's we're gonna have him on the show one day in the off season. Um, but he's he is one of these like totally anal, anal, everything's analytics. He he wants every team to hire an analytics person to have him on the sideline. And have a coach look at him and tell him when not to go for forward on fourth down, when to go for it on two for two, when to punt. And he's he's absurdly ridiculous when it comes to this stuff. He's way beyond you. But <laughs> I, I would like to know what these coaches are thinking sometimes when it's fourth and one on your own 32, and there are five minutes left. And you're winning the football game and you don't want to punt it away and you go for it. I've seen that multiple times this season and not just Staley. I've seen coaches who I wouldn't think would do weird things like that. I mean, I think back to when the Saints were playing the Falcons, and I don't know if people remember this. And don't don't get me wrong, the Saints defense was terrible back. This is probably seven years ago. Mike Smith was the coach of of the Falcons. So seven, eight years ago, something along those lines. And the Saints and Falcons go into overtime and Mike Smith decides to go for it on fourth and two from his own 20 some odd yard line. And I think it was before you needed to score a touchdown. I think if you just kick a field goal back, it may have been that long ago. I'm going to look, go back and look this up, but he goes for it and doesn't get it. And Drew Brees like comes on the field, basically laughing. I mean, the game's over. So, I mean, and it's those kinds of thought processes that we see more and more of today. Back then, that was absurdly ridiculous. If you saw that today, I don't think anyone would laugh. It's almost become a kind of a part of the game where you, you wouldn't be shocked if someone does that today. I mean, isn't that the pedal to the metal approach, though, that you talked about with Peyton? That he's, no. Hey, listen, we're going to go win this game, and if they stop us, then more power to them. But we're going to have the game. In no, our that's game. insanity. That's insane. And I get Drew Brees is on the other side. So I, I completely get his thinking. But if you don't get it, here are your, here are your thing. And, and I get, I don't put enough percentage on, on what happens after you punt the ball. I get that part. So the analytics card says fourth and two 
no matter where you are, you're going to get, let's just say you get it in that scenario. You think you're going to get it 70% of the time. Um, and if you punt the ball to the saints, you're going to lose on that next drive. Not that you won't lose the game, but on that next drive in overtime, you're going to lose 60% of the time. I mean, I, I, even if it's even if it's eighty percent of the time, I'm still going to say I'm I'm going to trust my defensive. You're telling your defense in that position, I don't trust you, and to me that does as much damage to your defensive players. And you're like, oh, we stink. You start getting in the habit of thinking we stink. He's going for it on fourth down on his own twenty. He thinks we stink. So when when people start telling you you stink, your own people are telling you stink. Then it's going to get into your head. We stink. Yeah, I mean, I suppose there's there's a mental uh, impact that you have to consider. But I mean, if you think if you think Drew Brees has an eighty percent chance in that situation of coming down and at least getting a field goal, you gotta go for it. I mean, if that's truly what you think, maybe that's not right. But if it if it truly is eighty percent, how how can you justify punting it away and saying, okay, well. Oh, because if I mean, you don't, if, you don't trust your offense. Because if you then don't make you don't it, trust your offense. If you don't make it, not only do you lose, you're fired. Factor that in. But that's the problem. That factor the problem that in is that we criticize the coaches for being too aggressive, but we don't criticize them for being too conservative. Now that's changing. That is changing. But for a long time, that's been what it's like. All right, here you go. I got a scenario for you that doesn't even have to do with fourth down. You've got this brilliant idea for a piece in your head, but it's super controversial. There's an 80% chance you win the Pulitzer, and there's a 20% chance you get fired. Do you write it? In my current situation, no, because I got three kids under the age of 11. Okay. I, I, I can't be out of work. But, but you also have to assume that if I get fired, someone out there is going to notice that I was taking a risk and I was, you know, I was doing super good journalism or whatever. And that I will, I, I will pick up work somewhere else. I mean, I like, I don't. That's the thing about these NFL coaches; they're going to get fired, but they have massive buyouts, and they're going to get another job anyway. So what? What are they so? What's afraid Mike of? Smith doing these days? I mean, I don't know. Being a millionaire? Uh, maybe, maybe he, maybe he went to the blackjack table and hit on nineteen for a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I mean, I mean he, he was an NFL assistant coach for like 20 years, right? He, he made it doesn't some mean he was making a ton of money. I mean, how much did assistants make in 1990? He was he was the Bucks defensive coordinator from from 16 through 18. He was probably making at least half a million dollars a year for those three years. I mean, okay, as their defense coordinator. And maybe he bought. Maybe his wife is, uh, you know. Likes to spend a lot of money, and who knows? I mean, you know, we're getting into way super, super dumb hypotheticals here. But the, the point is, I think that there's just not enough factoring into. I don't care if the percentages are better. Okay, here's. I guess this is my point. If there's a seventy percent chance to make it, and there's a seventy-five percent chance, if you kick it, a bad thing's going to happen to you. So that means. That I mean, by statistics, you obviously would go for it in that in that position. But to me, I don't think there's enough common sense put into what happens in that 
that 30% of the time or the 25% of the time that you, that everything goes wrong. Whereas you're better off just taking your chances and, and, and believing on whether it be your defense or if we do kick it and they score, at least we're going to have enough time to, to get the ball back and score again. I have confidence in my offense. There's not enough common sense used. I mean, it's not just a percentage of what happens on that. Ne- we're thinking about what happens right then, almost like instant gratification. We don't think about future ramifications of what happens if I don't make it here and, you know, and, and that's, that's where you're wrong. That's where you're wrong because the analytics do factor that in. They do factor in what happens you in the future. You can't possibly from, factor that in, though. I mean, they, yes, they can. Unless you're talking about win or lose. games previously played. Now, well, the only yes. way you can what factor that in. No, there's only one way to factor that in. If I go for fourth and two on my own 30, no matter what the time is, what is the end result of the game? Because you're talking about what's going to happen on the next play, whether we're going to get it, we're going to get it 75% of the time, or they're going to score 79% of the time. You're just talking about that, that series and that play in the next series. They're not factoring in who wins and loses. And yes, to, they are. No. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. You, you, the charts you can't say, the charts say, okay, if you right now, the situation is fourth and two at your own 44, seven minutes left, Six point lead. What you know, whatever it is. This, here's the situation. Your percent chance of winning based on tens of thousands of simulations of this game is seventy-eight percent, or whatever it is. The computer spits out the number, right? If you go for it and make it, your win percentage goes up to eighty-eight percent, or whatever it is. If you go for it and miss it, your win percentage goes down to fifty-nine percent. If you punt, your win percentage will be. 71% or, you know, what, whatever the numbers are based on the situation that if you, if you punt, you know, now our situation is the opponent has the ball at their own 18 down six with six and a half minutes to go. Here's the win percentage. And then you factor in what's the percentage chance of getting it. So what's our percentage chance of getting to the 87% and what's our percentage chance of dropping to the 59%. And are we better off, just saying, okay, I'm going to punt and go down to 71% voluntarily. Not that a punt couldn't be blocked. I mean, there's got to be a 1% chance of that too. And I'm telling you, they do factor in what okay, are, well, here, here's my are thing. you affecting your chances of winning the game. And, and we, we, do have to, we do have to move on because I, I do want to spend a few minutes on this weekend's playoffs and, and your quick thoughts. But I do want to say this. You cannot factor in common sense to any percentage at any time. And I'm going to give you a perfect example. I'm playing poker last night, okay? It's fairly early in the tournament. It's a rebuy tournament. I got pocket eights. Guy who's the most tightest player at the table raises pre-flop, but enough to where it's not that big of a deal. I want to see a flop with my, with my pocket pair, right? Tightest player at the table, one of the tightest players I know. I've been playing poker with him for 20 years. And my point is, what I'm about to tell you, what happened is, there's zero way to factor analytics into what I'm about to tell you. And it worked the same in football as it would factor in golf or poker or basketball or any other sport or game or whatever. So, and anybody who's familiar with poker, a Texas Hold'em or a five-card stud, you're going to understand what, I, where I, what I'm telling you, okay? So, I got pocket eights, I call, whatever. There's another person in the hand. That person is insignificant. Flop comes up eight queen deuce. 
Okay, so I flop a set of eights. He leads out. I just call. I've got a bad feeling about this hand. Okay, I just call. The turn's a king. He leads. He bets a little bit more than he bet before. This is the tightest player, and I'm telling and I and I'm using my my verbal strategy here, and which has worked before. And I'm like, you better be careful here. And so I just call right there. I don't know the, the the river is insignificant, but he bets basically enough to to just shy of put me all in. Most people would ra- would have raised already, but this is the tightest player at the table, and he knows I got something good because he knows that I'm not calling him unless he's got something super strong. And so I just make the call at the end, and sure enough, it's yeah, set over please. set. It's sure yeah. sure it's set over set. What do the analytics tell you? The analytics tell you you're supposed to go all in right when he bets from the get-go. But my gut okay, but. Me, my gut told me that – I know this is super strange and the odds of this are super low. My gut told me that he had me beat. And like an idiot, That's, I still call it anyway. But you have to, I guess, in a re, especially in a rebuy tournament. But it's the same the, thing else. The, the equi- That's the equivalent of an NFL coach realizing – that, you know, it's fourth and one, and I should just sneak this, but the the opposing team's got a monster run-stuffing defensive tackle. Like, that that's the equivalent of knowing that, that you're facing right. the tightest player you've ever seen. I mean, so, so that changes the odds, and that's where, I'm, like I said at the start of this conversation, I'm willing to have, you know, especially if the percentages are close. It's like we can have a discussion about a coach thought, okay, I even though the analytics card said to do this, I went against it because – they have this great defensive tackle. My right guard is banged up. You know, we can have these discussions of personnel and how you felt about it at the situation and change, you know, yes, there should be a human element. I'm not saying that computers should be coaching these games. But I, I, I guess my point, again, just to repeat it, is that in general, NFL coaches have been far too conservative for a very long time. I think that um... – if you would have said this five years ago, I would have said you're that maybe you're right, and I certainly wouldn't have vehemently disagree. I just think that we've got to the point now where it's become absurd. And again, this is definitely worthy of a study um, because maybe you know a lot of times you say something, uh, they go for it way more in fourth down than they did five, ten years ago, and then you do a study and you realize, huh, it's only like five percent more. So maybe that's the case. Or maybe it's they're more willing to go for it in, in dumb times. I don't know what it is. Um, but the game has certainly changed. It's not the change, I don't think, that bothers me. It's not even the change in philosophy. I just think it's, it's so many times a lack of common sense. And, I, I mean, sometimes I sit back. If I don't have a better in a game, I don't know. There's not a lot of games that I – not a lot of football. There's a lot of basketball games and, and baseball games that I watch these days without betting on them. But – I guess there aren't a ton of, of NFL games that I watch without having a bet of some sort on it. But sometimes I just laugh. I mean, it's just silly sometimes. So I don't know. But this is not the last time we'll debate this because I, I, I'm serious about we're going to figure out a way to go into the analytics of this thing and uh, do some kind of number search. and Because I, I think it's something that people are interested in. Anytime I go anywhere and we start talking about football, it inevitably comes up at some point. So. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the analytics vindicating me. I will tell you this. If it's proven, you're right. I don't know exactly how. 
it would have to be like overwhelmingly prove you to be right for me to tell you you're right. But if it does prove you're right, <laughs> I'll tell you you're right. Before we let you go, Zach, I do want to talk about this weekend uh, for just five minutes or so. And what do you think is the most interesting game of the weekend first? And the, the second game, what do you think maybe is the most value to play? One thing I'm really looking – I'll answer your second question first, and I'm really looking to see about the 49ers. It looks like Fred Warner is going to be able to play. Um, Nick Bosa, I guess, is still questionable. Um, Yeah, I think I would be surprised if he plays. And I kind of – you know, the 49ers travel back to the Bay this week. Then on a short week, they got to travel to Green Bay. It's going to be freezing cold. Um, I – I like the 49ers. I don't feel like it's a good spot for them. Um, you know, the we'll see if, if Bosa doesn't play. The yeah, if Bosa doesn't play, I, I, I like the minus five. I like to lay the five. Um, as far now. as the most intriguing game, I mean, it's got to be Bill's Chiefs, it, right? It, like it, the, the winner it's of six now. The line on Packers 49ers is six now. It went all the way up to six. Okay. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, I, I feel like that's that's where my money, I might even go bet it at six before it gets higher. Um, yeah, it's not going down. You know, and, and the 49ers are a good team, but I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't – it's not a good spot for them. And then the, the game – Bill's Chiefs has got to be the most intriguing game simply because the winner is the AFC favorite and possibly the Super Bowl favorite. Um, and, and it's just going to be such a high-level game. That, that's the game everybody's looking forward to. I personally am really looking forward to Bengals-Titans also. Um, I just to see if Joe Burrow can keep it rolling, to see if Derrick Henry is back, if he's effective. Um, it, I, I don't think I'm going to bet on this game because, to me, Henry, and I'm one of these people who doesn't think running backs are all that important, but this is an exception. He is, and the Bengals' run defense is not all that good. And so if he's playing and he's effective, that totally changes my perception of the game. But but how do you know? Yeah, I this I have not done my handicap yet, and will either later today or early tomorrow. Um but I will say this to me, just <clears throat> looking at these numbers, the Titans number jumps out at me. I think to me, that is by far the best bargain on the board. Um, there is no way a one seed should be a three and a half point favorite at home over a team that had to fight and claw in the wild card round against a wild card team to make it to the second round. And you're telling me the Bengals on the road, um, I don't know. When's the last time they won a road playoff game? I'm gonna have to go look. Um, it doesn't it matter. Be at least 30 years, right? It was before yeah. most of these kids were born. Uh, probably before half the team was born. Um, so I'm gonna go. I can tell you right now that I will be shocked if there are lots of times. In fact, last week it happened three times where I went into the handicapping process thinking I was gonna pick this team, uh, and then changed my mind when I looked at, at numbers and factors and different things and, and added them in. Um, and this one, I'll be shocked if I don't say at, at the end of it that I'm going to pick the Titans. So I, I just, I don't get that number at all. I don't understand three and a half at all. That should be at least five and a half. Yeah. I, you know, now that you say it, I agree with you. The, the Bengals just seem like the team that's getting all the public love right now. They, they've got the hot quarterback wide receiver combo. I mean, it's a team that, you know, lost badly to the Browns earlier in the year. They right. lost to the Bears. They struggled past the Jaguars. I mean, it's the same team. They, and, and, have they improved? Sure, they've improved. They're not that good. And, Zach, no offense, but, I mean, of the eight teams remaining, I think they're the only ones where you could say 
if they lose next week, they accomplished what they really wanted to accomplish, right? They, they took a huge step forward. You won a playoff game. No one in Cincinnati is going to, unless they just do something really stupid and fumble with the lead late in the game and Tennessee wins. I mean, you won already this year. There's no other team on this list, even the Niners. There's no other team on this list where you can say the season's a victory if we lose this week. I think the Bengals can say that. And I know that no one's thinking that in their head. No one's going into this week. People are screaming at their phones right now. No one's thinking that. No, you don't think it, but I think in the back, it's in the back of your mind and it's in your psyche. Hey, we won already. Yeah, I, I agree. If, if you did some sort of like what's at stake rankings or something, the, 40, the Bengals would be number eight with a bullet. The 49ers yeah. would probably be number seven. Least pressure. But they were the in the Super Bowl two years ago. Yeah, I mean, the 49ers expect to be – speaking of the 49ers, you can't let me go without without saying my piece here. Go ahead. Um, he, he, here, here is my overarching point. We could go back and forth on this whole thing that the ref somehow screwed up the end of this. Oh, worse I, than the I, I completely did. forgot to bring that up. I can't believe it. I forgot. Uh, the, the, the ref could have handled that situation. We're talking about the back judge crashing into Dak in the center. Yes, I'm glad you brought that I'm glad you brought that up. Two seconds – ostensibly costing the Cowboys two seconds and making the clock expire. To me, that was the 15th most impactful thing on that play. Like that, that cannot, that's not the headline. That's not the subhead. That's not in the lead. That's maybe the last sentence of the story, but like it, it just didn't matter. For one thing, the play call was abysmally stupid. 14 seconds left to call a quarterback draw is coaching malpractice. It, it, it just is. Especially because the, I have the play-by-play right here. The previous three plays have been for nine. Well, we don't know if that was the play yards. that was actually. We don't know if Kellen Moore actually called that. I mean, it didn't look like Dak changed the play. No, it but I mean, like no it. one's going to ever tell us the answer because no one's going to want to blame someone else. But I, I but, thought McCarthy said after the game, like, yes, that was the call, and we felt good about it because we've run that in practice and gotten it spiked in less than four. You know seconds. what it is, McCarthy. I thought he admitted. Uh, maybe so, and then. Well, and, Anyway, here's my – they had gone uh, – it took them seven seconds to go nine yards, then eight seconds to go ten yards, and then four seconds to go nine yards on the previous three plays. Why don't you do that again? Then you have ten seconds left, nine seconds left maybe. You have two shots at the end zone from the 30. Instead, they run a draw, which means at best, at best, if everything goes completely right, you have one shot from the 25. Doesn't make any sense. So that's number one. Number two. Okay, well, you're preaching to the choir on that one because I agree with you 100%. Okay, okay. But, I mean, the, the, my point is that that, is, that, is, that completely eclipses any mistake the official made there because that was, that was first and foremost, you made it so that everything had to go perfectly for you. I also agree with that. Then, then you were the ones who made things not go perfectly because – I played, I played one year of organized football. I'm not afraid to admit that. I know people say, oh, you didn't play the game. You don't know. I played one year of organized football. You know what one of the first things they teach you is? Hand the ball to the ref after the play. Hand the ball to the ref after the play. That, that's I don't play. disagree with that either. Especially with five seconds left in the dang ball game. Hand the ball to the ref. Let him get it spotted. You worry about getting lined up. Instead, he hands it to the center. The center doesn't hand it to the ref. He lines up at the 23. The, the, then the back judge comes in and says, no, it should have been the 24. Well, if you look at it, Dak started his slide at the 26. It should have been the 26. Even if everything goes perfectly and they get the ball spiked, 
they were going to have to review that, move it back to the 26. Might have been a 10-second runoff and a penalty because the Cowboys were lined up offside. The, the whole thing, the, the ref shares half a percentage point of the blame here. It, it was not the ref. Half a percentage point? Half a percentage point. Okay, first off, here's the thing. I agree that if you're writing a story, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a footnote. It's a blip. Because when you're writing a story and you're being objective, um, you can't make a big deal out of it when you're writing a game story. So that's first and foremost. But when you're watching it, here's my thing. I agree with about 90% of what you said. When you're officiating a game, and here's what I'm not blaming the rest for Dallas losing because there's probably, if you want to talk about analytics, there's probably a 94 to 95% chance they lose anyway, even if they get the snap off, if they spike it. Because you got first down, well, you got one play from what the 20 something yard line. I don't know what the percentages of scoring from, your, from the 20 something yard line on one play, but they're not good. Okay, first and foremost. But second of all, it's the official's job to not disrupt the play, okay? I don't care what anyone else did. I don't care that it was the dumbest play on the planet. I don't care that the center went up and didn't think and had a brain cramp because that's what it was. He wasn't intentionally. He was just trying to get his job done, okay? So don't tell me about handing the ball. You're not thinking of that. There's a mass hysteria going on, and you know there's two seconds. You should think of that. You should. Okay, you should or should you've been taught since you it were was mass chaos. But how often does that that play? How, how often does that happen? How many times do you think that center? And I don't even know who the center for the Cowboys is. But how many times in his life do you think the center has been in the position the way he's running up to the football as the clock striking zero and has to hand the ball? Of, sure, he's handed the probably handed the ball to the ref probably five hundred times in his career. Uh, throughout high school, college, and pro. But you think you're thinking that when the clock's going down to three, two, one. No, you're thinking, I got to get this. I'm, they're not going to lose because I didn't snap a football, and I ain't waiting for a ref. So, okay, but why is that the ref's fault? Hold on, hold on. That part's not the ref's fault, okay? I'm not even saying you're wrong about that. I'm just telling you what's probably in the center's mindset. Here's where the ref made a huge mistake that it costs Dallas a chance to win the game, okay? Again, probably all a moot point. It is the official's job to get to the ball correctly, okay? And getting to the ball correctly is not to run over the quarterback and then to run over the center. There are different angles he could have taken to get to that ball, or some other official could have waved his hands. They should know they're going to be in this scenario. They should see this coming because, to me, it's way more the official's job than it is a player's job to get this right. That official cost Dallas a chance to spike the ball by running over Dak, running over to the center. That costs at least three seconds. And not only that, it's the same official. And we can argue about this if you want to. It's the same official who moments earlier came in, held up the play because Dallas was making an offensive switch, which gives the defense a chance to make their switch. But San Francisco was set for at least, and I'm not exaggerating, you can go back and look and count. They were standing there. The defense was standing there for three seconds before he allowed Dallas to snap the ball, which caused the delay of game penalty, which was 100% the ref's fault. 
It is also the ref's responsibility to come in there and take a proper angle to get that ball placed where it's supposed to be placed. And he was an absolute awful position in the first place. He should know that's coming. He should get himself in position when Dak starts running. He needs to run with him at least on the side or some kind of way. But he stood there like a dummy, and he cost Dallas a chance to win the game. Dallas cost themselves a chance to win the game in the grand scheme of things by running that stupid play. And the center should have handed the ball to the official. I agree with you. But in the end, it is the official's job to get there without screwing it up. And they screwed up a lot of things in that game. And that was just the tip of the iceberg. But by the way, I went back and looked. When you said, oh, there's all these penalties against Dallas and they got screwed, there was really one hugely impactful penalty called against Dallas. It was on I think their first or second drive of the game. They had a 32-yard pass to CeeDee Lamb. And he got called back because of a holding, but it was an obvious holding. I mean, it, you you can't argue that it was. Did a you bad look call. at your analytics card to see how mu- how much uh, what impactful means? Because I mean, what are the uh, what are the percentages I mean, if they don't call no, holding or that holding if I they use score? My, I use my oh, you use common, common sense. I use my use Jim Derry common sense. sense. And and my Jim Derry common sense card, by the way, would ask that. Oh, okay, so what would you have had the ref do? Uh, oh, excuse me, Mr. I told Prescott. you what I would have had the ref to do. Center. I need to get to that ball and move it back. If you want to run over the because... right guard, you run over the right guard. I don't care how you do it, but you don't run over the quarterback in the center. I mean, Jack... You improperly spotted the ball. You didn't give the ball to the quarterback. You spotted it in the wrong place. You ran a stupid play. The refs, you're letting the Cowboys off the hook by even mentioning the refs. Oh, I'm not letting off the, the Cowboys off the hook uh, at all. I don't know why you're emphasizing the refs so much. Then I've, I don't know how many. I don't know how many different ways to say that there's still a five percent chance that they're going to win. The, there's only a five percent chance to if they get the snap off and spike it that they're going to win. So I don't no, know. It would have been a real getting. mess. What? What would have been a real mess is if they had spiked it and said, "Oh, there's one second left, everybody. There's one second left." Because then they would have had to go back and review the spot. This is the other part nobody talks about. Prescott started his slide at the 26. He's down at the 26. They spotted the ball at the 24. The spot was bad in the first place. Maybe. So do you move it back two yards and, and still give them the second? Or do, you, like, like, or do you say, no, they all lined up offside because they didn't give us the ball and that's a 10-second runoff? I, I, like, I don't know, I don't know but I wish I have seen it. And so instead, we're talking about a ref crashing into Dak because Dak was somewhere he shouldn't have been because they never gave the ball. No, to the Zach. The whole problem I, I, I have, I the whole problem I have with that is it's a microcosm of how poor I think officiating has become. And there are certain crews in particular, and Jerome Bogart's crew is maybe the worst officiating crew I've seen in. And I'm not just talking about the Bengals Raiders game. I'm talking about every time the Saints get Jerome Bogart as an official, I go, oh, my God, no. Oh, God, no. Not, th- not, not this week. Um, it, there are about three or four crews where I just shudder every time I see them. And to me, you can say, well, maybe they need to pay. The, those officials get paid very, very well. They're not flying in on Saturday evening from their job as an insurance agent or whatever the hell they do during the week because they're not making money. They're making plenty of money. Um, But you'd think you'd be able to find people who know how to react in certain situations. And to me, 
that was just an icon of how poor – I don't know that officiating has been as poor as it is right now, just in general. The game's faster. So, I, I you know, I, it's probably harder than it looks to us, but I agree. Oh, there's no doubt. Somehow it's gotten worse. And the Bengals game, like, the comment you made that made me laugh was that the Cowboys crew was worse than that Bogart crew because the Bogart crew was complete ineptitude from start to finish. Like the, you blew a whistle in the middle of a play and then tried to pretend like you didn't blow it. And then, and just, Oh, well, it doesn't, that, I guess it didn't count. You, you called, I, I think on the Raiders last drive, they had a big, big gain on a screenplay, like a 20, 25 yeah. game. And they called it back for a legal man downfield. And if you go back and look at it, both the running back and the lineman they called downfield were still behind the line of scrimmage. Like how is he illegally downfield? He's not even at the line of scrimmage. What are you looking at? I, I don't. And, and that was just two examples, but to, to the number one, the way the back judge reacted in the Cowboys game, you said he, he needed to react better. He didn't expect him to run a damn draw. Oh, I, mean, I don't want to hear uh, expect. You're an official. They, You've been guys probably been doing this for 25 years. Don't tell me expect. If you see Dak taking <laughs> off, you got to go with him. Don't tell me <laughs> 25 expect years. Expect anything. There's 12 seconds in left. 25 years. Anything. He probably never saw anybody run a draw with 14 seconds left. With Get no time position. Out. I know, look, I was an umpire for 15 years. And one thing that you're taught, whether you get a call wrong or right, is at least get yourself in position no matter what happens. Your number one job as an umpire and an official in any sport is to get yourself in position to be able to make the correct call, make the correct whatever it is. And he was not in the correct position. He stood That is one dummy. thing. I, 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 I will give you just a little bit of wiggle room on is that he, it was strange how quickly he was having to rush up there. And I'd like, I, I want to go back and look at the all 22 film to see did, did something, did he slip? Did somebody else get in his way or no, was he he just there. negligent? Like what, why was he so far back uh, is, to begin with? And that, that cause he shouldn't be an NFL official, but, but even if everything goes perfectly, Dallas probably runs out of time there because it was a stupid play call. They tried to spot the ball in the wrong place. They all would have had to move back two yards. I, it just didn't – nothing about that was going to work. And like you said, even if everything works perfectly, the number one dream scenario there is you have one snap left from the 25-yard line. Congratulations. I, I, I'm not, I'm not – look, I'm not saying the ref lost Dallas the game. I'm saying – the ref's mistake at the end cost them a chance to win the game, as slight of a chance as it was. And I think their own mistakes cost them that chance. More I so also, I think that, that it, they, I think that the call was egregious. I thought the coaching throughout the game was awful. I thought punting. Here's one where I agreed with you. Um, it's fourth and two on your own forty or whatever the hell, wherever the hell they were. And you're down by realistically three scores, even though it was a 16-point lead. When you're down 16, to me, you're realistically down three scores because you the, the percentages of you getting two touchdowns and two two-point conversions. I think I've seen it happen. Like I know it's happened more than once, but I think I've only seen it once. The Ravens did it against the Colts earlier this year, and somehow forced overtime and then won. Um, of course, I bet on the Colts. That's definitely why I remember that game. Anyway. And you're assuming that the other team won't score again. Right. Which in this also, case, they didn't, but you can't. Yeah. Also true. So the, the Cowboys screwed up every kind of way uh, they could. Uh, fourth and two, and you're down. I think it was like three minutes left in the third quarter. You're supposed to go for it. 
Um, 100%. 100% of the time you go for it there in that position. Uh, later on, they, they kick a field goal for some unknown reason, which the field goal does them no good whatsoever. Um, See, I actually did not mind the field goal because it was fourth and nine, I think, and so it's yeah. unlikely they're going to convert. But, and, but say, even that, and I'm, I'm not just talking about two possessions. It's probably right. more like three, and the field goal gives you a chance to then win the game instead of just send it to OT. With well, so then I was that, actually okay with that. Then that's proven that he thought it was a three-possession game, which even makes the fourth punting on fourth and two Correct. at the end of the third quarter even more dumb. Uh, and then – Instead of going for it on fourth and five, he tries a fake punt. But the funniest meme I saw all weekend was the reason why the fake punt worked is because the Niners actually thought that he was going to punt with seven <laughs> minutes left or whatever it was. Best <laughs> meme. That may be the meme of the year. Um, but anyway, so, yes, I digress. Dallas was poorly by far of the – of the uh, 12 coaches in the playoffs this weekend, or 14, I'm sorry, it's seven, seven teams each. Of the 14 coaches left in the, in the playoffs going into the weekend, and I guess there were uh, two that had by, so 12 coaches that were actually playing, he, McCarthy did by far the worst job. I, it's not even close. And I thought Shanahan was pretty bad too, but McCarthy was by far. So I'm not taking anything off of Dallas, and I'm not giving them any credit. I'm talking about in the grand scheme of things, the officiating, they have got to get together. They have got to find a way to be consistent. They have got to find a way to put themselves in position to not screw things up. Um, they have got to find a way to, to use review better. There are so many things that officials need to do because it is so frustrating. Even ball placement to me is not consistent. We've got to the point now, and this is a whole nother show where if they're within a half a yard of a first down, they spot the ball as a nine times out of ten as a first down because they just want to get it, keep the game moving. And that's not the way you're supposed to do that. So, again, a whole other show. We could spend a whole show on things officials need to do. But to me, well, that one play just kind of really pissed me off enough to where this is just – it's getting absurd. I, I thought the play that, that summed up the whole weekend from an officiating standpoint was last night. Cardinals, it was right before the pick six. A.J. Green. Throw a pass. Yeah, and, and they, don't, they don't know if it's a catch. Yeah, and, and they're like, wait for New York to bail them out. They didn't make any call for like, uh, exactly. I mean, for more than 60 seconds. I was actually going to, I meant to bring that up. It was like they had, they had their earpiece and they're like huddling up like, come on, New York. Come on, New York. Tell us what happened. Tell us what happened so we don't have to make a call. Because that's what's you know, I don't know if you've noticed this, and they never did this before this year, but they're getting like preemptive calls from New York sometimes now, so they don't have no, to. No, and I like that. I don't. I have I no like problem that. with it. But if they're going to do that, do that all the time. Why does McVeigh have to challenge that? I mean, that, that one was egregious, and that was probably summed up the whole weekend. I agree, a hundred percent. And and it didn't get talked about enough last night. But you're right; they stood there for at least it was at least a minute. Um, which is an eternity a hundred percent. And what are you doing? Are you going to make a call? I mean, I didn't even have the sound on again. I was a poker. We're watching and I'm just sitting there thinking like, are they going to make a call today? They're just standing there. I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, uh, yeah it, it was bad, it, but I will say Jim, just, to, I know we got to wrap up because we've been going on forever, but the my positive spin on this is this weekend was full of 
terrible officiating and mostly terrible games. And even the best game with this Cowboys 49ers game was full of stupidity and controversy and everything. But what it's set up is this divisional round is fantastic. You got seven division it. winners out of the eight teams. Great matchups. I mean, every playoff game from here on out is going to be just mouthwatering. That doesn't mean they're all going to be good, but they're all mouthwatering matchups. To me, what it showed was the cream of the crop. There's a, we knew this already, and this is why I liked favorites last weekend. Um, and it's why I'll probably pick more favorites than I will underdogs this weekend. I think, to me, the difference between the top of the NFL and the middle of the NFL, there is a huge divide, um, a major divide. I mean, when you get past, to me, six to eight teams, um, there's a major divide between um, – team number one and team number 10. I mean, it's more than most years. So with hence, I don't know if that it means in the Super Bowl we're going to have Green Bay versus Tennessee or Kansas City or whatever. We And we very well may, but um, I don't know. I think major difference, but uh, we'll see. We'll talk about it more as we Absolutely. go along. We'll talk about it Thursday on uh, At the Book uh, with Cashin and with Carville. Uh we can get into whatever kind of debate you want. Then you run that show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My talk, talk to you then. Zach Ewing. Thank right. you. I think we agree on more things than we disagree about, but the things we disagree about, it just may, I, am I, am I that old now that I'm in this? I don't know. Netherworld of, just common sense reality. I don't know. Maybe it's me who doesn't have common sense. Maybe common sense has passed me by. Maybe the common sense of today isn't the common sense of 2022. Maybe 1998 common sense isn't 2022 common sense. It's possible. Is there any way to figure out who's right and who's wrong? Not really. I mean, you can look at numbers and, and analytics all you want. And sure, that's how I try to figure out who's going to win a game and buy how much and all those things and use numbers because that's, you know. But a lot of times I just use common sense. I mean, numbers may tell me to pick a certain team. But I'm like, they've played awful lately. They don't play well against this team. It's Tom Brady. It's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, sometimes you just got to use common sense and forget numbers. I don't know. Maybe, again... I don't know if there's a way to prove right or wrong. I guess in the grand scheme of things, the only way to prove right or wrong is wins and losses and who wins them and who loses them. And I know this, the team that goes for it most on fourth down, you look at the top ten, they stink. Sure, it's because they got to go for it more on fourth down because they stink. But the teams that don't have to go for it on fourth down, they're usually pretty good. So don't do it if you don't have to. That's kind of my philosophy, I think, in the grand scheme of things. If you don't have to, don't do it. What are you trying to make? It? I mean, yeah, pure entertainment. Oh, boy. Common sense has left the building, boys and girls. And speaking of leaving the building, i got to leave the building. That is going to wrap it up for episode number 47. I want to thank Zach Ewing. We're going to have plenty more spirited debates in the offseason, I promise you. It's always fun to talk about it. Uh, you know, I enjoy 
debating things with people who at least have some rationale for what they think. Whether I think their, their beliefs are super silly uh, or out there, I'd rather have a debate with someone that I respect and um, can back up his debates, uh, back up his, his side of things. And when I asked him early on about potential situations and hypotheticals, at least when he started asking questions, because I, I didn't know if he was going to. And he started asking questions about certain scenarios and what's the situation that made me feel better about his take on things. And I didn't know how he was going to respond to that. So just don't loosely, blindly say it's good to go for it. It's more fun. Yeah, it's more fun. But if you're betting on a team or rooting on a team, you don't want them to be stupid, right? Just keep stupid out of the game. And let's make these officials better because, God, they are making things awful sometimes. All right. We are going to talk more about this next coming weekend on Friday with my regular crew. Um, Conductor Dave will be on and Uncle Big Nick will be on. And next Tuesday, I am looking forward to having Marlon Favorite. Big Fave is coming on the show next Tuesday, and he will give his take on um, – not only what we see this weekend in the NFL divisional round, but what we might see in the conference championships and who his thoughts are the best teams remaining. That's all coming uh, in the next seven days. Again, we're going back to a two-day-a-week schedule till probably draft time. Uh, we will probably take a little break, actually, after the Super Bowl is over, take a little Mardi Gras hiatus. Um, but that's, that's coming up. we still got plenty of football left. We have... It's hard to believe we're down to our final seven games of the 2021 season. Hard to believe that we have played that many games, and it's down to the last seven. And you know what? I don't think there's going to be a bad one in the bunch. We saw some blowouts this past weekend. I'd be surprised if there are blowouts this weekend. I really would be. So that's why it's going to be more tempting to take some of the some of the dogs. And we'll get into all that on Friday. Thank you so much for listening. And hey. Uh, in all seriousness, I know I talk about the weather a lot on this show um, because I'm interested in it, not just because of what it does to my body at my age. But uh, y'all be safe this weekend. I will talk to you on Friday morning. It is supposed to be icy, especially if you live on the North Shore. Who knows what kind of stuff's going to be flying around. Uh, so make sure you check out the weather. Um, temperatures in the 20s, precipitation coming down, uh, middle of the night Thursday maybe. Friday could be a real mess. So maybe you'll be stuck home and you'll just have to listen to Datitude. That wouldn't be so bad, right? We will see you then. See you Friday. Peace and love, my friends. You